0: Today we talk about Tim Keller, his influence in the church, in the world, and even in me. Rest in glory, Pastor Tim Keller. Also, Elon Musk goes after George Soros and the media lose their minds. We have evidence that the Southern Baptist Convention is also dangling the semi-woke apple in front of its constituents trying to sneak it in. And I share with you the behind-the-scenes elements pushing all of this crazy nonsense on our culture, from the halls of government to the entertainment industry to the sports stadiums and also the universities. Plus, did you know that Florida was dangerous for black people to visit? One prominent black resident in Florida has issued a warning to other blacks. Do not travel to Florida. I kid you not. It's bizarre World every day. Welcome to your favorite night of the week, The Deep End. on Tim Hatch, live. The Deep end. Every time the Deep End team gets together, I start with this question and I say, what's wrong with the world today? And I'm always shocked and amazed at just how much is going nuts. every week. Anyway, it keeps this uh, channel action-packed. Amen? Amen. Deep End Season 6, Episode 33. My name is Tim Hatch, and I'm so glad that you're here on the channel. If you would do me a favor and like the video, subscribe to the channel, and click that notification bell so that you can get notified on your smartphone device every time we go live. I would be sincerely appreciative of that. Thanks for being here Tuesday nights, 730, where we talk about news and culture and what's going on in the world. And to that end, we start with some sad news pastor timothy keller has passed from this life to the next pastor author theologian husband father in the presence of god in the presence of his savior jesus christ right now and i will never forget where i was when a pastor friend of mine asked a life-changing question and the question was this have you read counterfeit gods by tim keller that was a question never heard of tim keller never heard of the book counterfeit gods got a hold of the book Back in those days, we used to have things called bookstores. Went into the bookstore, bought the book, brought it home. I remember where I was when I read the book. I was on the beaches of Newport, Rhode Island. And I swallowed that book in about two days. Uh, it was amazing. It was eye-opening. It was life-changing. I. It was given to me, has this ever happened to you at a very necessary point in your life to have a trajectory change? And I can't tell you the influence that this man Has had on my life. Tim Keller used to talk about how someone advised him to read everything that your favorite theologian ever read, and he decided to do that with C.S. Lewis. And it kind of inspired me to do that with Tim Keller. I have read almost everything that he has written, including most of his sermons, believe it or not. Um, He is a profound, he has been a profound influence on Christianity uh, in the last 50 plus years. Uh, His book, Center Church, was a game changer for me. His book on the Psalms was incredible. His preaching was the complete opposite of my style. I am very charismatic and very high-end and emotional, and he is very low-key and very calm the entire sermon, much much like a college lecture-type preacher— God loves both types, by the way, and every type in between. He humorously noted one time that a Hispanic preacher or pastor was bringing some of his Hispanic congregants to come listen to Tim preach, but the Hispanic pastor pre-warned them and said, in spite of what it sounds like, he really does believe what he's preaching. I always loved that story that he would tell because, you know, you don't have to bellow out boisterously to get the point across. And he had that gift. He would just rationally and calmly declare what the Word of God said, and this was was one of the best things that he brought to the table with preaching. He taught me and countless others how to always bring the text you're preaching back to Christ. The New York Times writes this about him. He defined a fully formed Christian as somebody who finds Christianity both rationally and intellectually credible, but also emotionally and existentially true and satisfying. And even in death, the New York Times honors him. This is Roth Duthat. He tweeted out this article from the New York Times. He didn't write the article. But in the tweet, Roth Duthat says, among many other achievements, Tim Keller spent an entire career in Christian ministry without having his public theological identity captured or subsumed by his partisan or ideological identity. An incredibly rare feat. Rest in peace. And I would say that is true. He did not become a tool of the right wing, fundamentalist. He did not become a tool of the left-wing progressivist even though he was Presbyterian and there is a split down the Presbyterian middle over all of these social issues that we're going through. He stayed and remained firmly committed to biblical convictions, uh, uh, conservative social policies and yet at the same time a wide-open heart to all kinds of people in his church. May God raise up many more preachers and teachers like him and pastors who follow in his footsteps. His um, son, Michael, tweeted out his last words, and I think his last words are so powerful. I'm ready to see Jesus. I'm ready to see Jesus. And then he passed from this life to the next, and he's in the presence of Jesus right now. Do you think about that? Like, think about how quick life comes at you and is over before you even realize. And I don't know if you ever really feel this way until you have children, because once you have children, life speeds up exponentially exponentially. And I look at my children as they are fully grown, almost all of them now. And it just went by so quick. Everybody tells you it goes by quick. You don't believe it when you're in it, but it does go by quick. And then you, who knows, whenever you go. And I would say, if we could just start this episode off with one admonition to you, be ready to see Jesus. Be ready to see Jesus. And Tim would be the first to tell you that it's nothing to do with what you've done. It's everything to do with what he's done for you. And belief on that is the central call in the Gospels to us. Belief on what Jesus has done for you. Some book recommendations. Counterfeit Gods already mentioned, uh, read The Reason for God, Belief in an Age of Skepticism, fabulous book. I actually handed that to some atheist friends of mine. And then Center Church, for pastors and Christian leaders out there, if you read Center Church, know that it is like an anthology, it's like a college textbook. And I actually use that for the curriculum in my leadership training program with the guys in my church. His books have been translated into 25 languages. He has sold an estimated 25 million copies of his book. Uh, his church, Redeemer Presbyterian in New York City, has branched off into several daughter congregations throughout the metropolitan area. He was an advisor for the last uh, five years of his life uh, to those churches, City to City, I think it's called a City to City Church Planting Organization. Phenomenal man of God. Thank God for Tim Keller. May he rest in glory. I leave you with this tweet that he put out in 2021 when he received his cancer diagnosis, which I believe whenever it's pancreatic cancer, it's almost certainly... A death sentence, unfortunately, at this point. But he tweeted out on the news of receiving that cancer diagnosis, quote, It is endlessly comforting to have a God who is both infinitely more wise and more loving than I am. He has plenty of good reasons for everything he does and allows and I can, that I cannot know. And therein is my hope and strength, end quote. What a way to approach the end of your life. What a way to approach the things that happen in your life that you don't like. Including the madness that you see in the world. Now, to transition to the content of tonight's deep end, I want to address something else that Tim Keller taught me as a pastor and as a minister and as a cultural surveyor. Pastors have to do this. You might not be aware of it, but we do have to look at culture and we have to read it and we have to talk about it. And far too many pastors are just ignoring culture. I have my views about culture. I probably disagree with even many pastors about culture and what I see in culture and my approach to teaching people about culture. We can disagree about our approach. My approach is my approach. It's not everybody's approach. But one thing that Tim Keller really taught me well through his books and writings and his speaking was the importance of the city. He was all about the city and reaching the city for Christ. He would he would always say that the city has more per capita space of the image of God in it than any other area of the world, right? Because there's more people in the city. So you have more image of God representation in the city than anywhere else. So don't hate the city, love the city. But he would teach this, that the city is also important because it influences everything else. You, what, the, the values, the ideologies, the issues happening in the city now, they flow outward to the suburbs and then eventually the rural towns. And you think about how God ordained for Tim Keller to influence an entire generation. He went to New York in 1989 to plant Redeemer Presbyterian Church. Everybody said it was a suicide mission, a church planting suicide mission. He went anyway. And he worked hard and struggled for years before he saw fruit. And he did see fruit. But here's the thing about him that God allowed him to prepare an entire generation to go through what we're going through right now with our wrestling around these cultural crazy moments because Tim was there in the 1990s. And what was happening in the cities in the 1990s has trickled out finally to the suburbs and to the towns. All, all of these things that we're wrestling with, you know, homosexuality and Christianity, how are we going to get along? Transgenderism, drag queens, and 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 now modern Christians, and how do we respond to these issues? Abortion, and how do we take on these issues from a Christian worldview? And how do we talk to our neighbors about them with compassion and grace? Um, Tim was dealing with that in the city in, in the 1990s. And so even when you read or hear his messages from those days, they are so modern and relevant because... The cultural influence of the city has trickled out to this towns and the suburbs now, and pastors like me who are in the towns and suburbs, we've got tools now because of the influence of Tim Keller. So a tremendous blessing. Um, I'm thankful for his life, and I can't say enough about it. Uh, thank God for what he has done for the church. Anyway, let's get into the show. I'm going to do a segment called Pastor Reacts <laughs> Okay, the man behind the mayhem, we've talked about this before, is billionaire George Soros. Anytime uh, we mention him as a problem, or anybody mentions him as a problem, uh, he cries anti-Semitism, because he is a Jewish Holocaust survivor. Of course, I did play a video where he was interviewed talking about the fact that he helped Nazis uh, gather the um, possessions of Jews who were being hauled off into the concentration camps. And his family escaped the Holocaust by denying their Jewishness on several occasions. And anytime you criticize him now, you're considered an anti-Semite. So you can't criticize what he's doing to our country. He is doing a great disservice to our country. He is backing up district attorney elections all across the nations in our nation cities. He's making sure that these weak-willed district attorneys get elected time and time again. And then they go after political opponents of his and they allow for rampant crime, and they um, they hand out light sentences or, or pursue sorry, light sen- the judge hands out sentences. They pursue light sentences for repeat criminals, and we are wondering right now why our country is flooded with crime, why people, our cities are not safe. What, what what's behind it all? The person behind it all is this man. I've talked about it before, and we will put in the description the last time I talked about him in the in in the uh, info on this on this um, episode how he has influenced our country in so many negative ways. He's got billions, and he's got a son that's ready to take over the enterprise and continue funneling billions into progressive, secular causes around our country to disrupt the America that we know, a peaceful, kind America that we used to have. And now we have this Hatred fuming America in our cities. And why do I bring it up? Because what happens in our cities is going to trickle down to the suburbs and to the towns. So, again, George Soros is behind Alvin Bragg's election through the Color of Change PAC political action committee. that He funded with a million dollar donation. Uh, that guy, Alvin Bragg, is the one targeting Donald Trump on nefarious um, Uh, 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 accusations of impropriety. Uh, He's also taking Daniel Penny, the Marine who chokehold Jordan Neely on a New York subway a couple of weeks ago because he was harassing other passengers and has uh, black and brown witnesses ready to come to his defense. If he goes to trial, he is now going to have to go to trial, Daniel Penny, for taking the life of Jordan Neely. But Jordan Neely was harassing passengers on the subway. And Alvin Bragg went after him and and is poised to throw the book at him. And so, this is what's happening on a regular basis in our country. Crime is now filtered whenever we see crime, we filter it through race. So, who is the perpetrator, white or black? Who was the victim, white or black? And then, only if the perpetrator is white and, and the victim is black, does the news media care. And all of that is a part of the plan of George Soros and the secular progressives who want to redefine America into. Some kind of secular progressive utopia that they have imagined, but it's just devolving. And that's what's happening in America. Anyway, we do have one person who has plenty of followers, millions of followers, who owns one of the largest social networks in the country, in the world, and is not afraid to speak his mind. His name is Elon Musk, the South African stallion from, from where my, my wife was born, uh, Krugersdorp area of South Africa. He tweeted out, couple weeks ago that Soros reminds him of Magneto. Magneto is the bad guy from the X-Men comic book series. And when a Twitter user defended Soros as having good intentions and criticized Musk for this response, Musk responded by saying, you assume that they are good intentions. They are not. He wants to erode the very fabric of civilization. Soros hates humanity. End quote. Well, the news media literally lost their mind over this statement by Elon Musk because their job is to protect Soros at all costs. Why? probably because they're in his back pocket. And so he went on CNBC and was interviewed about his statements and his tweets, which which tend to rile the political left and the media uh, industry of our country. And he was asked the question about his opinions and and costing Tesla and himself billions of dollars and bringing his stock price down and on and on and on it goes. Don't you regret it? Watch his response. I get chills when I hear the end of this video and you will too, love his response. Check it out.
1: How do you make a choice, you don't see, I mean, in terms of when you're gonna engage? I mean, for example, even today, Elon, you, you, you tweeted this thing about George Soros. Well, I'm looking for because I wanna make sure I quote it properly, but I mean, you know what you wrote, but, you basically, I think it reminds me of my
2: veto. This is like, you know, calm down, people. This is not like made
1: like a federal well, case said, out of me. You also, He <laughs> said he wants to erode the very fabric of civilization and Soros hates humanity. Like, when you do something like that, the. Yeah, think I think about, that's true. That's my opinion. Okay. But why share it? Why share it? Especially, be, I mean, why share it when people who buy Teslas may not agree with you, advertisers on Twitter may not agree with you. Um, why not just say, "Hey, I think this." You can tell me. We can talk about it over there. You can tell your friends. But why share it widely? I mean, uh,
2: I, this is freedom of speech. I'm allowed to say what I want. You wanted.
1: absolutely are. But I'm trying to understand why you do because you have to know it's kind of there. It, it puts you in a in the middle of a the partisan divide in the country. It makes you a lightning rod for criticism. I mean, do you like that? I, you know, people today are saying he's an anti-Semite. I don't think you are. No, I'm definitely not, I'm, uh,
2: I'm, like, I'm like a
1: pro-Semite, if anything. <laughs> I, I believe that probably is the case, yes. but why would you even introduce the idea then
2: that that would be the, the case? I, I mean, listen, we don't want to make this a, a George Soros interview.
1: No, um, God, no. I, so, don't, I don't want to uh, at all, but I'm, what I'm trying, even came up though in the annual meeting. I mean, you know, do your tweets, hurt the company? Are there Tesla owners who say, I don't agree with his political position because, and I know it because he shares so much of it. Or are there advertisers on Twitter that Linda Yacarino will come and say, you got to stop, man. Or, you know, I can't get these ads because of some of the things you tweet.
0: I have to pause because they will flag me on YouTube, but (laughs) this pause here is phenomenal. He really thinks about his response. Check this out.
2: You know, I'm reminded of uh, the the, the scene in The Princess Bride, great movie.
0: Great movie. Um, Princess Bride, he said. Have you seen that? It's a phenomenal movie. Anyway, remember Inigo Montoya? Where
2: he confronts the person who killed his father. He says, um, offer me money offer me power I don't care
1: so you just don't care you want to share what you have to say I'll
2: say what I want to say and if, if, if,
0: uh, if the
2: consequence of that is losing money so be it
0: I love this man. I love this man. He's the richest man on earth and he doesn't care. And, you know, reports are that he lives in like a 50 square foot home and um, sleeps in the factory at Tesla and sometimes the office at Twitter. And this guy is one of a kind. Now, I will not speak for his morality. I'm not here to deify him or saint him, but I can appreciate the fact that he has the guts to say money and power? I'm not, I'm not concerned about it. I'm concerned about the truth. Would that the church said the same thing? Would that preachers, huh? Preachers said the same thing and decided, I don't care about Instagram followers and I don't care about likes and I don't care about how big my church is. I'm going to tell people the truth and let the chips fall where they may. Because our country's falling apart, and our cities are falling apart, and what happens in the cities is going to trickle down to the suburbs and the town. And that brings me to ridiculous news. Ridiculous. Let's get ridiculous. Nothing wrong with those secular progressive values, people. Nothing at all. The Daily Mail reporting the USPS has stopped delivering to mail to an entire city zip code in Seattle this month. Around 900 residents in the 98118 zip code did not receive their mail as delivery services were halted due to mail theft and equipment security concerns. They were told to pick up their mail from the local post office, stood in long queues up to an hour while delivery services were paused for a week before they lifted the ban on Tuesday. So, so this is what's happening in our very wonderful cities is now the mail is going to stop at certain times because... There's so much rampant crime, out-of-control theft happening in the city. And to that end, there is a new Batman in the city of Seattle. Does he dress in black? No. Does he fight crime at night? No. Does he assist law enforcement in detaining bad guys? No. No, this Batman walks around in the middle of Seattle shirtless in broad daylight with a bat and attacks Seattle police cruisers. Watch. I don't know what is that growth on his stomach it is disturbing <laughs> Anyway that the police officer calls him over and on and on it goes this is you know this is the modern american city this is the george soros utopia that we are headed for and what's happening with countries in our in these cities they're leaving They're leaving. San Francisco is seeing billion-dollar companies downsize their office spaces in the city because of the overwhelming crime problem. This is the Daily Mail reporting that Uber has abandoned a 285,000-square-foot facility in San Francisco because the city is deserted and overrun by homelessness and drugs. In March, Pinterest announced closures of two offices. Meta, the parent company of Facebook, slashed 435,000 square feet, and Reddit removed half the space it occupies, according to the Daily Mail outlet. Google is expected to pay more than $500 million to shrink their office spaces. San Francisco saw their vacancy rate go up to 30%, up from 27% last year. Why? Because they saw a 41% increase in the number of drug-related deaths in the first quarter of this year. So the drugs move in and the businesses move out. This is what's happening in the cities. This is what the fruit of George Soros all, getting all these weak-willed district attorneys elected is producing. And it will eventually work its way out to the suburbs. This is insane. Uh, an article I read talked about the fact that San Francisco has the second highest rate of drug deaths in the U.S. after Philadelphia. Twice as many people here, about 2,000, have died from overdoses than from COVID-19 since 2020. Meanwhile, Mayor London Breeden, San Francisco, is doing what? This is a couple days ago. She is hosting the first ever drag laureate program representing everything we stand for, pride, diversity, inclusion. San Francisco has a long history of LGBTQ+. And people on the secular progressive side will say one has nothing to do with the other. You can't blame drag for all of this nonsense. Um, No, I'm not blaming drag. Obviously, I'm blaming the heart of sin. And the fruit of sin is drag queens. And the fruit of sin is drug addiction. And the fruit of sin is this chaos that is being introduced into the cities where... The sword of Rome has been weakened, has been turned into a feather, and people are running like crazy. And remember, the point of all this is to say that as goes the city, so goes the suburbs and the towns as time goes on. That is where we are. What else is happening in cities? Well, consider what happened recently in Seattle. In Seattle, a homeless man has applied to be on the board overseeing the homeless crisis, the homelessness crisis. But the problem with this person, this is Whitaker Raven Crowfoot. Riddicker Raven-Crowfoot. He is a lived expert. That's what they call him. A lived expert at being homeless. And he was nominated to serve on the Emergency Food and Shelter Board to represent the LGBTQIAs in the city. And here's what here's what his problem is. He, he is a convicted pedophile. He's a convicted sex offender. He was convicted in 2010 of harboring a 13-year-old runaway with whom he was having a sexual relationship. He was 25 at the time. He was charged with raping a 15-year-old girl, but ultimately pled guilty uh, to communicating with a minor for immoral purposes. So the issue of his uh, criminal history, pedophilia history, was brought up at the Zoom meeting to discuss his nomination to this board. And that's when all heck broke loose as Patricia Barnes-Sam unloaded on someone you'll see this video here, who brought up his sex offender past. Watch.
3: Thomas Whitaker Raven Crowfoot is a sex offender, a repeat sex offender, and I have had bad experience with
1: him.
4: So I'm going to touch you off because we can't disclose people's personal business here, right? And although that's public disclosure, like we have no right to out anybody in this space. Okay, okay. I thought thinking right, like that's just together. not okay at all. Okay. And I won't and I stand I for that, that. as the co chair. No, We're not we here to discover here. people's no. backgrounds, and actually, I'm glad that if that is the case, that he's here because sex offenders are another uh population that is most vulnerable that don't have housing. He, he has he, she has touched me, so if there's a meeting where he's Christina, at, I will not you be able need to, to take there. this to the police, no, then Christina. I have, I have. This I'm is not. The no, forum. Stop, Christy. Christy, stop. As the co-chair, I'm telling you that you cannot talk like that in this meeting. I will not have that here. If anyone wants to talk like that, you will be muted and removed from this meeting, board member or public or not.
0: Now, mind you, she's she's yelling at a veteran in a wheelchair, this Patricia Barnes-Sam. watch.
4: This is about equity and everyone everyone deserves housing. I don't care if they're a sex offender. I don't care if they're black. I don't care if they're indigenous. I don't care if they're a criminal. I don't care if they're coming out of jail, prison. Everyone deserves housing.
0: I wonder how black and indigenous people feel being lumped in with sex offenders and criminals in that statement. Uh, this is what's happening in our cities and it's going to get worse as time goes on and uh, it's just amazing to see what's happening at the same time the media is in full swing and giving 110% effort to make sure that they demonize safe places places people actually want to live I'm speaking of course of Florida and that brings me to the news you choose if you could choose news So the NAACP issued a formal travel advisory for Florida on Saturday in response to what the organization described as Governor Ron DeSantis' aggressive attempts to erase black history and to restrict diversity, equity and inclusion programs in Florida schools. Now, what they mean by that? restrict diversity equity and inclusion is no crt teaching and no allowing the the student the, the the teachers to talk about their sexual preferences with the students only up until third grade after third grade all bets are off but remember the famous don't say gay bill which doesn't include the words don't say gay it just restricts teachers from talking about sexual issues for, about themselves or others until the kids beyond third grade like you know we used to normally do for all eternity This, the WLACP considers um, restricting diversity, equity, and inclusion. So the Civil Rights Organization is the latest to caution travelers against visiting Florida, the League of United Latin American Citizens and LGBTQ advocacy group Equality Florida previously issued travel advisories as well. Under the leadership of Governor Ron DeSantis, the state of Florida has become hostile to black Americans and in direct conflict with the democratic ideals that our union was founded upon. This is NAACP President and CEO Derek Johnson. He should know that democracy will prevail because its defenders are prepared to stand up and fight. We're not backing down. We will encourage our allies to join us in the battle for the soul of our nation. So there it is again, exactly what our president said a few few months ago that LGBTQ people and especially drag queens are, and transgender people represent the soul of our nation. The soul of our nation are these groups. And again, with the NAACP siding with these sexual progressives, the insanity of this culture, really sad. And we, the article makes you want to say, oh yes, shame on Florida, shame on Ron DeSantis. He's hindering progress in Florida and people in Florida must be miserable. Don't move there. Okay. I live there. And it is a wonderful place. In fact, <laughs> I've never been happier. Florida is fine. And it's, I'm surrounded by black, brown people. I'm, I even see a lot of homosexual people around my community and they don't look terrorized to me. <laughs> and the, um, the most amazing fact about this little news item is that Leon Russell, who serves as the chairman, actually lives in Tampa, Florida. Now, the real reason why this is happening, why they're issuing this warning to go to Florida is because Ron DeSantis is about two days away from announcing his presidential run. And this is the media kicking into gear to stump for the Democrats and make sure that the Republican is demonized from beginning to end. So that's what this is all about. And you can be sure that there is just a political aim, a political ambition to all of this nonsense. Uh, and, And the director of the NAACP says as much in this video when he was asked why not about issue the same warning about Texas and other states that are enacting the same laws. Watch.
2: It's important for uh, the NAACP and other organizations to speak for individuals who are under attack. We have a large membership base in the state of Florida who, who feel besieged upon. And unfortunately, the governor is using his platform to advance some of the most regressive racist policies in his attempt to become the president of the United States.
4: But Florida isn't alone in passing controversial legislation. Texas, for example, passed a law restricting critical race theory. There have been book bans there and other states, several states.
0: I hate the book ban thing. Please understand when the media tells you book banning is happening, it's not book banning. It's not Nazi book banning, burning Bibles and other historical uh, writings. <laughs> They're banning books that have uh, overt... Pictures of homosexual sex directed at kids and even heterosexual sex directed at kids I don't even want to put them on the screen. I've been tempted to do this before. I will not But there are little drawings of half men half women like a, a naked a fully naked person drawn with breasts and a penis in children's books going into schools and libraries across the country And a few governors are standing up against them. And the media just goes right in on, well, this is book banning. So why don't we just throw in hustlers? Why don't we just give the kids a bunch of, you know, pornography as well, since we want to not ban any books or any materials? Of course we ban books and keep some books out of kids' heads and kids' eyes. Anyway.
4: ...have restricted voting rights. So why is the NAACP focusing specifically on Florida?
2: Because you have an individual who's leaning towards running for the presidency, and the nation must be aware and be cautious that if we decide to move in this direction, it will take us backwards uh, to the Trump years or to the 1950s. And so this is for individuals across the country to be clearly aware of how harmful this individual would be if, in fact, he occupied the White House.
0: Harmful. Harmful if he occupied the White House. That's the uh, mantra that is coming from the news and the head of the NAACP. I am a Florida resident, and I can tell you, it's wonderful here. No matter what they try to tell you, and I know this is an election season starting to ramp up, and you've got to be ready for it, and the messaging is going to be relentless. There's a reason why 900 people are moving into the state of Florida per day. Yes, per day. I remember when I was moving here, I was watching the moving trucks all coming with me in the same direction, not I think. On a 1,200-mile road trip, I saw one moving truck moving north. Every other moving truck was going south. If it's so hideous, why does everybody want to move in? Just like our country. If our if our country is so racist and so white supremacist and so evil, why are all the illegals flooding the border? Why are we so bad that so many people want to leave their home and comfort and come here, even if it takes illegality to do it? Anyway, that's the news. I want to do a follow-up segment because uh, it seems that... The Southern Baptist Convention has embraced semi-wokenism or at least right now are embracing semi-wokenism with a a speaker that they have slated to speak at their annual or biannual conference coming up in July. So let's do a follow-up segment. The, the, the deep, 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 deep in fo- follow-up. The nation's largest Protestant denomination, the Southern Baptists, might be dealing with the problem of going semi woke, and the reason why is because at one of their women's conferences, the speaker talked about gay people who can stay married, who can stay married after they get saved, because God hates divorce. This is the Andy Wood take, new pastor of Saddleback Church, who took over for Rick Warren a couple months ago. Yes, if you're a homosexual and you come to Christ, stay married, because after all, God hates divorce. He hates divorce from real marriages. Are, are we clear about that? Like, is this hard to understand? So this woman is Rachel Gilson. She is a campus minister in Boston, Massachusetts for a university there, I don't know which one, but she is speaking to pastor wives in this video on the issue of homosexuals and those who come to Christ. It should be noted that Gilson was a lesbian who came to Christ, has renounced the lesbian lifestyle, amen but still admits that the feelings and the attraction can still reside within the Christian, even if they are saved. Now she is invited to be a speaker at the upcoming SBC conference this summer, and people dug up these concerning statements that she made from previous events. Watch the video.
3: I don't know your parents. I'm not gonna speak too particularly into it, right? But as we think about the question of people in a same-sex marriage who maybe come to know the Lord, this is a real situation that I've, Encountered in my life. I, I met a woman recently in St. Louis who was actually in this, she was in, a mar- she was in a marriage to a woman and was processing what to do because she had come to the Lord, but her wife hadn't. We need to recognize in this situation, right, that um, these are some very tender things. And if we just walk around being like, I've got some great ideas, like, you don't know anything. You don't know anything about what this relationship has been like the joys that it's provided, the heaviness is provided. Like we never approach these situations um, with swagger.
0: That doesn't make sense to me, with swagger. <laughs> it's either tender or swagger. Which one's it going to be? Rachel Gilson. Anyway, further on in this video, in this talk, she says the following, watch this.
3: Out, what's going on. I do think that it's, it's pretty normal for someone who comes to Christ to see, oh, this isn't the way God designed to use my sexuality. They don't have to negate all the good things that they've experienced with the person that they've been in a relationship with to recognize that God says something else about sexuality. They might end up making a very big cost I mean, I've, I've known some people who decide to stay in that relationship legally, but to live celibately, huh? to break off having sex. That has happened with some with some couples who both come to Christ.
0: That sounds like the single people in our church who are shacked up and living together, not married, who say, well, we moved into separate bedrooms and we're not having sex. Give me a break. Uh Do these people understand the human condition at all?
3: I've known some couples where one person came to Christ and decided that in order to honor the Lord, um, he needed to be celibate. And his partner decided, his husband decided to leave him. I mean, Paul talks about this reality in 1 Corinthians 7. Sometimes if a a spouse comes to know the Lord, the other spouse can't abide it and they leave. And then that person is, you know, that person is free. Uh, But sometimes it will mean, yes, sometimes it will mean getting a divorce. God hates divorce. He does. It breaks that image of marriage just as surely as anything else. What's interesting is though God hates it, it is still sometimes allowed in the context of a broken world.
0: I don't, I don't know what to say anymore. <laughs> and i wouldn't care about rachel gilson and what she says if it were not for the fact that she is slated to speak at an sbc national conference the the largest protestant denomination in the country how do you say that homosexuals who get divorced is breaking the what the image of marriage that represents christ in the church it does not it it, homosexual marriage represents the exact opposite the exact opposite of the picture of christ in the church Christ is bridegroom, church is bride, male and female. The, and 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 the physicality of male and female marriage is meant to fit them together physically and emotionally and spiritually. So that they are one, just as we are one in God in Christ Jesus. This is insanity and I can't believe the the confidence with which she spouts this insanity to 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 pastor's wives and they all sit there and they just listen to it in another video circling on the internet because once you've been ratioed on twitter it just starts to snowball and here she talks about how same-sex attraction really isn't that big of a deal watch
3: the bible holds forth and god is very clever right his word says hey there are two equal ways to faithfully wear your sexuality in the world you can be faithfully single or you can be faithfully married uh, under my definition of marriage and like to live in either of those, you could be attracted to men or women or both or neither or potted plants. Like it doesn't, you know, your attractional <clears throat> patterns don't hold you back from having access to God's spirit in order to, to live faithfully. And I find that incredibly freeing.
0: Good Lord. I, I, your attractional patterns don't hold you back. Yes, they do. It's called desire. It's called Lust. Jesus said, if you look lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Sin is not something that you do. It's something that you feel. It's something that you desire first. It starts there. Then it becomes something that you do. But but, but if we keep... What we're doing, what what this person is doing, and what is regularly happening in in church churches across the country is, we're backing, backtracking, we're on our heels, moving backwards, saying, yeah, we don't want to offend, we don't want to offend, we don't want to offend, and 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 we keep saying these things that sound really attractive to non-believers, so as to somehow trick them into becoming believers. You you don't see that at all in Scripture. When people became believers, they left things, they left houses, they left homes, they left desires, they left plans. Re- remember when Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house and salvation comes to the house and Z- Zacchaeus stands up and says, I give back everybody that I ripped off and I'm going to pay back fourfold and half my goods I give to the poor. Jesus doesn't say, whoa, 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 it's a process. It's tender. And you know, we don't take your time and let's see how God eventually leads you to obedience. No, there was action. Discipleship produces action. And, and, I fear that again and again and again the church fails to just speak the truth. Just speak the truth. Get to the point where you are Elon Musk and and you say with confidence. Offer me money. Oh. Offer me money. Yes.
2: Offer me power.
5: Power to promise me that I can.
2: all that I have and more.
0: I don't care. Just speak the truth. Stop changing how we address sin because the culture is comfy with that sin. Say it. Say it calmly. Say it firmly. Say it plainly. Don't say it nastily. (laughs) <laughs> I've talked about this before on the channel, but Woody Bakken does a great treatment of this issue where he sees young pastors getting up there and talking about, well, I love homosexual people and I got nothing against homosexual people and some of my best friends are homosexuals. And so let me talk about how the Bible addresses homosexuality. And we don't do that with any other sin. We don't do that with adultery. We don't do that with drug abuse. We don't do that with pedophilia. We're going do nothing else except homosexuality. Why? Because the world has shaped the church far more than the church has shaped the world. We've got to get to a point where we do not care. We do not care what people say because... These things matter, and they're worth standing up for and speaking out about to have the coverage that Elon Musk has, who is not even a believer, to say things truthfully. But why does it keep happening? We have to talk about that. Why does this kind of thing keep happening? Where where, where you have Dylan Mulvaney, a man pretending to be a girl advertising for Bud Light. You have Ford putting out a very gay Raptor. A very gay Raptor. (laughs) This is a Ford truck wrapped in the gay gay pride colors or the LGBTQIA pride colors. And then you have this Adidas ad with a man with a bulge in a lady's bathing suit advertising for Adidas. Who is buying this garbage? Who, who are they appealing to? Who are they going after in, this, in these advertisements? I am mystified. I really am. And then, of course, this was yesterday. The Google Doodle featured a homosexual indigenous person. This is yesterday, May twenty second. So, so forget Pride Month. <laughs> We're days away from Pride Month. Oh, just prepare yourself for the deluge coming. We've now entered into Pride season, and coming soon, Pride year, and then just Pride decade, and then just Pride life. Everything's Pride. 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 Well, what's going on is called woke capitalism, and I want to do a deep end investigation here, or let's do, you know what, deep end opd on woke capitalism. Okay, a lot of segments today, but bear with me. How woke capitalism is invading our country. And I bring you to a website called fee.org and this article, How Corporate America Got Woke, A Review of the Dictatorship of Woke Capital. The uh, writer of this article details the, the contents of a book called The Dictatorship of Woke Capital, written by Steve Suckup, and how the rise of progressivism as a cultural force uh, basically, took captive not just the university institutions, not just the entertainment institutions, but the now corporate institutions. You know, corporate America used to be very conservative, very very family friendly. Disney used to have a a Christian day. Now it has an LGBTQIA week and celebration. Christian, uh, Disney used to put out family friendly entertainment. Now it puts out aggressive, agenda driven, progressive sexual content for kids. How did we get there? And this article is phenomenal. I encourage you to read it yourself. I will give you some highlights. He says, How did corporate America long considered to be one of the most conservative American institutions become a lead protagonist in a culture war over all manner of progressive activism? We now have a routine spectacle of corporate social responsibility seminars and environmental, social, and governance. That's the ESG stuff I talk about a lot. Conferences where widgets, widget makers of all kinds commit to promoting climate activism, identity politics, union labor, and sundry of other causes. Somehow selling an honest product at a fair price seems like a secondary concern in a corporate America, increasingly focused on an array of stakeholders with such diffuse boundaries as the local community, the global environment, and society at large. How do we get here? Finance professional and political analyst Steve Suckup gives a fascinating and in-depth answer in his uh, disquisition on modern politicized investing, the dictatorship of woke capital. The first half of Suckup's book is a high-intensity sprint through about a century and a half of intellectual history that name-checks everyone from Adam Smith and Karl Marx to Woodrow Wilson, Theodore Ardarno, Saul Alinsky, and Milton Friedman. In Suckup's telling, the shift began when John Hopkins University— Johns Hopkins University was founded in the image of Germany's Heidelberg University in the late 19th century, and progressive political theory began to grow in popularity in the United States. The same trends later accelerated when a new generation of continental Marxism hit the U.S. in the mid-20th century. These developments brought about a revolution in how left-leaning theorists viewed the functions of government and other large institutions like corporations first in the progressive view neither the old aristocracy nor the liberal democracy were equipped to achieve the necessary goals of society rather a professionally listen to this educated elite of administrators and bureaucrats was needed this was the progressivism of theorists like woodward wilson herbert crow crowley and John Dewey. They carved out a large realm of governmental authority for administrators, but still considered their role to be outside of politics itself. Eventually, however, political scientists and management experts led by academics like Syracuse University's Dwight Waldo decided that expertly implementing democratically chosen policies was no longer enough. A subsequent generation of experts would be expected to substitute their own ethical and philosophical standards for those supported by Voters, So there you have it right there, the elevation of the expert class, the elite class, in cooperation with some kind of quasi-social Marxism and ruling aristocracy coming to America to rewrite the script of what it means to be part of this country. The article goes on and says this, quote, public servants should become active, informed, political savvy agents of change. This is The recipe for what critics of big government have come to call a permanent governing class, civil servants with effective lifetime tenure, a.k.a. uh, Dr. Fauci, collaborating with like minded activists outside of government who place their own judgment ahead of that of the voters and their elected representatives, a.k.a. London Breed, and a host of other governors, mayors, senators and congresspersons who push this agenda upon you, regardless of whether you like it or not. Now, he says this in the article, the second half of the dictatorship of woke capital catalogs a series of controversial activist campaigns by some of the biggest names of Wall Street, Apple, Disney, and Amazon. The issues are varied, but the overall trend is nonetheless worrying rather than concentrating on what they know best and staying neutral in the cultural cultural wars. Major companies have hitched their brands to one side of a contentious political divide. The The verdict on whether this will ultimately be good for businesses still very much uncertain and if you ask Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch right now it was not a good idea why am i sharing you that with sharing this with you because you have to understand what is happening is programmed i call it the woke mind virus it is intentional and deliberate there is an elite ruling class in cahoots with the governmental, permanent government, cl- governmental class, the bureaucracy. Some people call the deep state, which is influencing universities and influencing corporations and media and entertainment so that at all angles you are getting indoctrinated, whether you realize it or not. Of course, the universities and the governments are influencing this. Uh, this is all part of a program. And now they have finally won that last area that they wanted corporate alignment that's where the big dollars are so they can fund this and re- and rinse and repeat this into your children into your kids into your teens into you and i say that all, to, all i say all that to say this there's one last man standing the biblical christian one last remaining line of defense isn't it amazing there's one area biblical christianity has not yet fallen for this but when you see the sbc when you see what's happening now and has been happening in the United Methodist Church for years, what's happening in churches that were bastions of evangelicalism, such as Andy Stanley's North Point and Saddleback Church in Lake Forest, California, when you see this departure from biblical Christianity, when you see this flirtation with the woke mind virus, it is disconcerting and a, and a great schism, I believe, is coming to the evangelical church and the evangelical subculture, as we've talked about even with Christian artists from last week when we talked about uh, uh, Lauren Daigle and and, uh, Phil Vischer of VeggieTales fame. This is going to continue to crack. The crack has been happening for some time. I would even date, one of the great fissures of the crack was the death of George Floyd, where we have seen the line drawn, and it is amazing to see how many Christians are just capitulating to the cultural dictates of the day. And again, we need to get back to our roots and say, as Paul and Peter and John and James said, we can do, we will say what we want and we don't care what you say. I don't care. There's more to all of this, again, not just in the corporate America, but also in the sports and entertainment industry. News out of LA. The Dodgers had disinvited an LGBTQIA group from their Pride Night. The group was the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. This is a uh, drag group that specializes in mocking Catholics. And because some Catholics voiced some concerns, the Dodgers did the right thing and disinvited this group from their Pride Night. Well... Again, the media did their work and the social influencers did their work and the ESG elites did their work and pressured the Do- Dodgers to reinstate the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And they wrote an apology to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Yes, a sports team, a baseball team wrote an apology to men who dress like nuns and call themselves the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgences and now have re-invited them back into the fold on their pride night. This is woke capitalism at work. This is what is happening on a regular basis. And it will continue and it will get worse. And you have to be prepared for what is coming to you as a Christian. You know what's coming to you as a Christian? This is coming to you. A lack of personal freedom. I bring you news from the Daily Wire the article's title: "Viewpoint Diversity Index Shows Most Large Companies Threaten the Fundamental Freedoms of Every American." So, there's a law firm called the Alliance Defending Freedom. Law firm It's a Christian-based law firm. They defended Jack, uh, the cake baker, up in Colorado. They've defended countless others who are standing for Christian principles in their businesses. So, they do this little study of uh, big corporations in our country to find out how how free are these companies for Christians to speak their mind and live their values and uh, cooperate within the country, the the company's values and be Christians at the same time. They found out that of the 75 major corporations evaluated in this year's business index, only two scored over 25% out of 100% possible in their respect for speech and religion. And that means that millions of everyday Americans who are Christians are at risk of cancellation or punishment for their views. And I get these questions in. In fact, I've got a question right now in the 10 questions queue that people who are Christians in the secular environments are getting increased pressure upon them to capitulate their Christian views for the sake of this ESG secular progressive agenda. This is the 1984 that George Orwell talked about. The party decides what you think, what you believe, and what you say. Think about this article, 75 Major corporations, only only two, scored 25% out of 100% on respect for speech and religion. So there are going to come for Christians on a regular basis, and it's going to increase, and the hostility will not, at least at this point, subside. We need to pray for revival. We need to get serious about our faith. We need to stand strong. Jesus said, they that endure to the end will be saved. And there are some people who are willing to fight the good fight on a host of issues who are truly Christians. One of them is named Jim Caviezel, he's got a movie coming out and that brings me to this segment of Pastor Recommends. Okay, there is a movie coming out July 4th called The Sound of Freedom, starring Jim Caviezel from The Passion of the Christ fame. Jim Caviezel did a fam- fabulous job, not just playing Jesus in The Passion of the Christ, but also uh, Edmund Dantes in The Count of Monte Cristo, and I would highly recommend as well Frequency. Uh, phenomenal movie. I-, I love that movie. It should get a lot more acclaim, but it doesn't. Anyway, this movie is about uh, the story of a of a... A man named Tim Ballard, he is a former operative who quit his job as a special agent with Homeland Security to become a vigilante that embarked on a dangerous mission to rescue children from the cartels and human traffickers in Latin America. Now, news from the Daily Signal finds that GOP lawmakers are pressing the Biden administration right now on the whereabouts of 85,000 migrant children. This is the cost of open borders right here. 85,000 missing children from the open borders of our country right now. When this official, whose name is Robin Dunn-Marcos, was was, uh, questioned by Congress on the status of those 85,000 children, the number that comes from the New York Times, she basically fell over herself not knowing how to answer. Watch. Could the 85,000 number be right that the New York Times says? We don't know. Where 85,000 unaccompanied minors wound up?
3: We... Uh, Do not track or monitor? The
0: answer is no. There are 85,000 kids who came across the border. We don't know. Is that right? Apparently it is.
3: ORR um, works within the statutes and authorities and resources provided. Okay,
0: well, we'll take that to mean we don't know where they are. Uh These people are not smart. These people are not smart, and stupid people vote them into power. Honest to goodness. How can you not answer that question? The New York Times reports 85,000 children have been stolen as they've come across the, the border, the southern border of the United States. And it doesn't matter. Now, remember when the news media blew up over the cages that were built for these kids to house them? And then they blamed Obama, uh, Trump for the cages, even though Obama built the cages. Remember that? That was a huge political issue. And, and now the cages aren't there, but the kids aren't there either now and sex traffickers are stealing them. Which brings me again to this movie that Jim Caviezel is starring in and coming out July 4th, The Sign of Freedom. I would encourage you to go watch it. And the reason why I want you not to just watch it, but pre-order tickets for it is because Jim is asking for people to do this so that the film gets into as many theaters as possible. Here he is on an interview with Steve Bannon talking about that very Very quickly. The movie opens over the July 4th weekend to send a message, two million children Two million tickets. Jim Caviesel
5: Thank you, Steve. Well, it is very vital that we um, sell these tickets now. Um, many people think, you know, I'll, I'll wait until July 4th. Well, uh, we may not be in a lot of the theaters. We'll be in a lot, but not as many as we'd like to. And um, we have the capability of filling up the churches. I've seen it, uh, sorry, the theaters, because I've seen the churches do it overnight. I'm pleading for my fellow countrymen to wake up to what is going on with what's happening to our children. Um, Steve, April 26, there was a woman named, I believe it was Ms. Rojas. She's a whistleblower and God protect all our whistleblowers Mm because they're in serious danger right now for speaking the truth. And she got up and said that eighty five this is sworn testament, Moni, eighty-five thousand children have gone missing crossing the border. So I'm going out right now to plead to the public, to the Christians out there, and to anybody that has a heart for a child. We may not even get to the resurrection of the Christ because we won't have a country anymore. And I'm talking about the film that is of vital importance people need to see sound of freedom Um, it's on 4th of July first thing that comes to my mind you're at a picnic you're at a barbecue you're enjoying yourself and suddenly you look around and your child is missing what would you feel? what if I told you that you have a 98 point maybe even 99% maybe even 99.9.5% chance you're never going to see your child again What would you do? Would you have wished you listened?
0: Uh, Amen. Jim Caviezel. I I love his movies. I love his acting. um, And I especially appreciate and love his passion for Christ. I know he is a, uh, a Catholic, but he is a biblical Catholic. He knows the Bible. He knows the word and he loves the Lord and the work of the Lord. And he's fighting for truth, and he's fighting for righteousness. God bless him. Buy tickets to The Sound of Freedom. Buy them in advance so that this movie is distributed to a wider number of theaters. I'm doing what I can to spread the word, and I hope you will listen. Anyway, that's the show, guys. Check out Tim Hatch Live for content there. Uh, there's new swag. And I am wearing one of the shirts. I don't know if you can see this, but I am wearing one of the shirts. The Be Bold shirt is on right now. You can check it out over there at TimHatchLive.com. You can also support the channel through the Cash App, Tim Hatch Live, or Tim, support. And I will see you hopefully tomorrow night. Hopefully. Uh, no guarantee about the deep dive tomorrow night. But here's what we are doing. Are you ready? Ten questions this week. So I said the first Thursday, but we're going to do the last Thursday. And we do this now, this Thursday, because we have 15 questions in the queue. They're great questions. So make sure that you're tuned in at noon this Thursday for 10 questions with Tim. Other than that, what can I say? But fight the good fight because, as I said at the beginning, the world is crazy. Lots of things wrong. And we know that it's being programmed to be wrong by higher power people. But we know the one who is higher than those powers. And he's for us. And if he is for us, who can't be against us? Have a great night.